Thank you so much for joining me for Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. You can find me at rickthomas.net. I have a complicated problem that I want to share with you, and I want you to listen slowly and listen carefully. And if you need to listen more, then I want you to jump on the article that I'm sharing with you, and I want you to read it. I want you to check out all the verses that are in it. I want you to read the other articles that I have been that I have embedded inside of this article. The reason I want you to do this is because this is a complicated problem. And our first knee-jerk response can be the wrong one, and I wouldn't want you to do that. And so I want you to think deeply about this issue. The issue is people who, and I'll put this in quotation marks, they don't believe in God any longer. They once believed, they once walked in faith, but they don't walk in faith any longer. The title of this podcast is, is Why I Do Not Believe in God Any Longer. You can read this, as I said, on the website by looking for the same title, Why I Do Not Believe in God Any Longer. This is a big deal. We're seeing more and more people walk away from the church. Now, I know that the simple thing to say is that they never believed God in the first place, and that we could say that and move on with our Christian business, and it would relieve us of any kind of responsibility, but that besides being simplistic, is a bit careless. We do need to give more thought about this idea. It seems that nearly every person who becomes a believer and then walks away from the faith or away from the church does so because of disillusionment or disappointment. And as I was saying, the simple response is to say that they never believed God. But that response lacks nuance that dismisses rigorous reflection and more effective soul care, and we don't want to fall into that trap. I am not saying that every person that walks away from the church is a believer, but I'm also not going to say that they were never believers. In my article about a man walking away from the faith, I said this, quote, Maybe there are more than two types. One, those who authentically believe in Jesus and never walk away. And two, those who say they believe in Jesus and can walk away. This quote continues, Christianity is not that neat and sin has never been that respectful. The Hebrew writer is saying there is a third Christian type, a believer who for whatever reason spurns the grace he once received. I would encourage you to get that article. It's linked right here inside of this one, and you can read it, and you can do your own exegesis. But the exegesis is firm, is sound, and I do believe that we have three types of people. And I want to share more about this in this podcast. Now, if you want to talk to me about this, I would encourage you to do so. I would love to engage you with whatever questions that you may have. You can get on our free community forum and You can chat me up. You can talk to our team. If you don't have a free username and password, well, you can get that here, too. It's linked here inside of this article. And so click on that and get it, and then make sure you're logged in, and then you're good to go. And you can talk about this subject here, about believing and walking away from the church and walking away from Christ, or you could talk about anything else that is on your mind. I want to give you 
uh, three case studies in this article, three different situations, and I want you to, I hope they will help you to flesh this out and, and bring more clarity and bring that nuance that we need uh, to our understanding of this complicated issue. Now, I'm going to assume for this podcast that all the people who become disillusioned and walk away from the faith are Christians. I realize that each situation is unique. I know every situation has a certain angle to it that the other situation doesn't have. But just as a benchmark and just for in a vacuum for this article, for this podcast, let's just say that all of the people that we're talking about here, that they are truly, legitimately, authentically believers. It is unreasonable and unwise to categorize every person who walks away from God or the church as an unbeliever. Now, you need to wrestle with that statement. That would be a stretch, though it would be an easy way to explain the exodus of the disillusion while keeping us from having to do the hard work of reflective thought or messy engagement. Both of those things are hard, having to think deeply and broadly and comprehensively about all the angles and possibilities of how and why this can happen. What we don't want to do is to get into the collective response system. Just throw everybody into one category and then give one response as to why they are this way. No, people are individuals. We want to have unique engagement with each person because each person is different. And so part of the problem here is that we really just don't like deep and extrapolated reflective thought. And the other part of the issue is messy engagement. When you get inside these people's lives who believe but don't believe any longer, it is messy. It is complicated. It will challenge you. But it is not a leap in judgment to say that most of these Christians who walk away from the faith and the church, do so because they became disappointed in some way. God regenerated them because they were searching for something and they believed that Christ was the answer. Because of the clarity and the hope that the Christian message offers, these people chose to follow Christ. They believed it was right for them to step onto the Christian track and start running the race, just like you. They made the decision, and things went well for them, at least for a while. The riddle of their lives was beginning to find resolution, which was enough to spur them farther down the Christian path. The Christian experience can be similar to a new car or a new career or buying a puppy. The thought of it is intriguing, and the early involvement of it is satisfying. But the hard part about any relationship, whether it is with Christ or a car or a career or a canine, is that there will be future trouble. There will be future temptations and future disappointments. The church and Christ are not impervious to this reality. And so what happens is these dissatisfied Christians ran down the church track, the Christian track, and then they stopped. Like Forrest Gump in the movie, they got tired and ended their running days with the church, with Jesus. Forrest said it this way in the movie, quote, I ran for three years, two months, 14 days, and 16 hours. I'm pretty tired. I think I'll go home now. 
And just like that, my running days was over, so said Forrest Gump. I have talked to dozens of these people who, quote, quit the faith, whatever that means, because it was not satisfying to them. They were disillusioned. They were disappointed, as I said. It did not completely or consistently satisfy their most profound struggles and longings. My brother is an example of this kind of person. And so I have three case studies here. I want to share his story ever so briefly because he fits into the very scenario that I'm talking about. He became a believer in 1988, and I do believe it was authentic that God raised him from the dead and made him a believer. And I base that on a whole lot of data. We spent a lot of time talking, and I knew him all of my life. He was a few years older than me, but I knew him all of my life. And I have saw the before, and I saw the after. And he was a changed person. He became a fundamental Baptist at a church ran by an angry and domineering man in his small town. After a few years of attending church, they had a verbal and heated, sinful exchange, and my brother walked away from the church. And though his heart was tender toward the Lord, his hurt was too confusing and painful. He was a novice. He was immature. He had not grown up in the faith, and, well, he was reared like me. And if you're reared like me or reared like him, you have a complicated life, and it takes a while to get untangled, and he had only been a believer for a short period of time. And he belonged to a, a church culture, we called it the Baptist Pope. The guy ran the church, and you did what he said, or there was going to be some verbal bloodbath, and my brother was too, too immature. He was too much of a novice in the faith to even have categories for this. Nobody should... No pastor should be this way, and he didn't realize that, oh, yeah, some pastors are this way. And though his heart was tender to the Lord, he was confused, and it was painful. And through an unrelated, though equally complicated narrative, his wife murdered him, another story. Obviously, he never went back to the church. My brother walked away from the faith, and I fully believe, and this is not sentimentality, and I'm not believing him into heaven, but I fully believe that I will see him in heaven because of the interactions that we had post-salvation. I truly believe he's regenerated. And then we have Mabel, who was born in a Christian home. It seemed reasonable to her to follow the path that her parents laid out for their family. Being a good kid, she checked all the Christian boxes, the things that Christians expect from their kind. She participated in children's ministry, youth ministry, singles ministry, went to Christian schools. She eventually married a Christian. During her teen years and early 20s, she wrestled with a moderate uncomfortableness in her soul. She typically shrugged it off if she was not tacitly engaging it. She always believed God was right, and based on that one truth, she did all the right things and continued to meet the expectations of Christian assumptions, though her internal struggles never subsided. She is now 35 years old and feels trapped in her marriage. She is on her own. She is a real adult, a person that has left her parents and is living in the adult world making adult decisions. 
this new life is her Christian faith, if it is faith at all. And then we have Biff. His story is similar to Mabel's. The difference is that he has been struggling with same-sex attraction for as long as he can remember. He knew it was wrong because the church said it was wrong. Saying it is wrong is an inadequate response to the gay question. It is easy to say something is wrong, shut the door, and assume the internal struggle of same-sex attraction will go away. Well, quite frankly, that's ignorant. That's not how it works. To say it is wrong while not engaging the reality of what is going on inside the struggling person, it is unkind and it's unchristian. Biff felt like the child who just got yelled at for doing something dumb, but his parents would not help him with the internal temptation that led to the wrong thinking, the wrong feelings, the wrong actions. This, you're wrong, trust God, cliche construct, further complicated his already confused and labyrinthical soul. His only recourse was to stuff how he felt further down inside and follow the conventional path that Christians are supposed to walk. And this is what Mabel was doing with her unbelief that was gnawing away inside of her soul. She couldn't talk about it. And so she just stuffed it down and followed that conventional path that Christians are supposed to walk. And that is exactly what Biff did. He dared not talk about what was happening to him because he would be alienated by well-meaning Christians who would plaster him with overworn mantras like, the gay lifestyle is wrong. It is sinful you to participate in that lifestyle. You need to repent. Like the scolded child that is lectured but never helped, Biff could only churn in disappointment while continuing to do Christian stuff. Thus, he married a Christian lady, secured a good job, and began to build a family. He is also 35 years old, like Mabel, and he is finding it no longer reasonable to ignore the attraction he has for other guys. Biff, Mabel, and my brother found themselves in a trap that was in their souls while separated from the help the Bible claims to provide. Their most perplexing problems in life, the deeper ones, not the common ones that you and I have, but the deeper ones, they were unnoticed, and even worse, they were undiscussed. They represent many Christians who live the quiet life of desperation. In too many of these instances, they choose to walk away from the faith, hoping to find something that will solve the entangling mystery that is inside of them. These people create a dilemma for us. They're not like us, or maybe they are like us. But the difference is they are becoming outspoken about what is happening in their lives. Rather than not dealing with the issues about the disconnect between what they believe God can do and what is wrong with them, they are talking. The easiest way to solve the riddle in their lives is to say, well, they're not believers, or they're not fully trusting the Lord. This simple response would undoubtedly help us from digging deeper into the problems. To say they weren't believers or they need to get their hearts right with God would do several things for us. We could ignore the process needed to help them. 
We just slap a mantra on them, and now we can ignore them. It could keep our Christianity safe from being scrutinized. Some people would be hard-pressed and insecure about trotting their Christianity out to help a person like this because they know that their Christianity is not mature enough to help a person like this. And so by being quiet and just telling them to trust God, their Christianity is never scrutinized. Number three, we would not have to learn how to bring the Bible to bear on problems like this. Number four, we could go back to our lives, which is less messy, or at, less, or at least we are more comfortable with our experience than their experience. Have you ever had that person in your life where you think, dear God, give me someone easier, give me someone like me. I don't need a person that complicated because I don't know what to do with them. And so we put up our do not disturb my Christianity sign on the door. If we take any of these actions, we will be able to keep our Christianity insulated in our hermetically sealed and unchallenged worldview while spurning anything that challenges our belief system or points to the possibility that we may be culpable in some way. We do not have to live in this kind of fear or this kind of ignorance. Our religion should be good enough, strong enough, courageous enough, biblical enough to endure the scrutiny of the most sophisticated gainsayer, as well as the person with the most challenging struggles. If any system of thought could survive the process of considering all the possibilities of what is wrong with us while bringing accurate and satisfying answers to the problems of life, it is Christianity. What if we removed the easy answers? Well, he just wasn't saved. You just need to trust God. What if we pump the brakes on sayings like that, you need to trust God? What if we spent more time bringing Christ-centered answers to well-diagnosed souls? What if we stopped checking the Christian boxes, the easy answers, the answers that keep us from engaging messy lives? What if we stopped playing pretend and started talking about what is really wrong with us. My brother was caught in the vortex of a messed up religious system, the fundamental Baptist, and that system had no answers. And he was too proud, too immature, and too ignorant to seek help. By the way, I was caught up in the vortex of that same religious system, just a different church, same system. And after my wife left with our two kids, I spent an entire year with crickets. What I mean is that no one from that church, a 1,200-member church, ever came, ever called, ever sent a letter. We didn't have email back then. They did absolutely nothing. And finally, after 12 months, that's literal, literal, it was an entire year. I went to the associate pastor, and I asked him, or I, I shared that story with him. I'm living with the crickets because y'all ain't here. And he said, you didn't break your arm. And what he said was, if you had broken your arm, we would know what to do with you. 
but we don't know what to do with you. Now, as I've said in other podcasts, I appreciated his response because he was being honest. He was owning it. I don't know what to do. And the truth is, I didn't have a clue either. I was just like my brother who had no clue how to extricate himself from the problem that he was in. And by the grace of God and because of the mercy of God, he led me on a path to learn how to help myself. And this ministry was born out of that struggle. But he was caught in the vortex of a messed up religious system that had no answers. They couldn't help him. Does that mean, well, he just wasn't a Christian? No, I seriously doubt that. He was a believer. Mabel, the 35-year-old married woman, she painted by numbers until she became an adult and began to think for herself. By then, she had accumulated a Christian reputation, a husband, and a few children. That was almost enough to keep her from signaling to others that she had doubts about God. Thus, she stuffed it down. How could she go in her church and say, I don't believe God any longer. I need help. She had been painting by numbers for so long that she learned how to live the Christian life and just stuff all this inside of her. Biff tried religion, hoping it would take away his desire for other guys. It did not do that for him. So he left his wife, his children, and Christianity behind. In Galatians 6, 1, uh, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, Paul went on to say, and so fulfill the law of Christ. The one thing all three of these people have in common is their disappointment with God. That's the most effective way to communicate it. Oh, you could say they were disappointed with others, and you could say maybe they were disappointed in the religious system, and maybe they were disappointed with Christian cliches. All, all three of those things would be true. None of them provided transformative insight or application. And though all of these things are correct, all of them ultimately point to God. God is sovereign, and He is managing over all of these things, He is the designer behind the design. The buck stops with him. He is in charge, and some of his children are not satisfied with what he has provided. So ultimately, you would have to say that they are disappointed with God, as harsh as that may sound to some of you. It would be easier to look horizontally and and talk about the Christian cliches or the religious system or the disappointing people but everything is under his rulership. It is crucial that we have this discussion. No, I am not blaming God. I am not accusing him of anything critical, negative, or wrong. I am merely saying that there is a consistent element of disappointment that runs underneath the surface of our lives, and we have to do more than give standard answers. You need to trust God. You need to have more faith. You're sinning and you need to stop it. You're making an unwise choice. You need to surrender all. And then, of course, the old standby, I will pray for you, my brother. You can work all of those statements into the discussion with the troubled soul. 
But complicated and struggling people need more than simplistic conversation-stopping remarks that do not bring solutions to their problems with total depravity. No, on the surface, there's nothing wrong with any of those statements. But we need more than our bumper stickers. Let me give you one more case study that's also very real. My daughter, who was eight years old at the time, had a hoarding problem. She liked stuff, collecting stuff. She would take the trash out of the trash can and hide it throughout the house. Many times we have looked behind the couch, under the bed, and find things that were previously in the trash can. We have found things hidden around the outside of our home that she took out of the trash can. The simple way to parent her could have been to spank her. I'm not sure that we ever did that. I could have mandated that she stop hoarding, or I could have prescribed that she stop accumulating, and if she did not, I would punish her. These are simple ways to stop a problem, and these approaches will work to a degree, and she will more than likely respond with conformity to my demands. Eventually, maybe the thing that would be missing in this process is that I would not be addressing her unique depravity, the things that are wrong inside of her. We are totally depraved, but we are uniquely fallen. Total total depravity means that we are broken through and through, physically and spiritually. There is not an aspect of us that is not depraved. It doesn't mean that we... Uh, have done everything that we could, every evil thing that we can possibly do. It does mean that we have the capacity to do that, but we are totally broken, totally depraved. But each person is uniquely fallen, and it is important that we take care of each other and disciple each other according to our unique fallenness. Our inability to do discipleship well is my burden for the church. Going to church, reading the Bible more, and praying harder will not cut it for the case studies that I have presented in this podcast. All three of those people, my brother, Mabel Biff, and even the fourth person, my hoarding daughter, they did the Christian things, and it did not work. And they are representative of millions more. Let me turn the tables here as I wrap up this podcast. Again, the title of the podcast is why I do not believe God any longer. And let me spin the table around and ask you a few questions, three of them specifically. How would you have counseled my brother? How would you walk him through this process? How would you counsel Mabel, who learned to do Christianity by rote? She's generally regenerated, but now she's been painting by numbers for so long and stuffed it in so long that she's starting to disconnect from her Christianity. And then number three, what would you say to someone like Biff who struggles with same-sex attraction? There is an answer to the riddle of their souls. There is a solution to the problem that could lead them back to God. And we, you, me, the church, need to be doing more than doing church. We need to be equipping our soul care providers so they can bring real help to the hurting. If you're interested in going deeper in your discipleship, 
I have a simple call to action for you. Our ministry is a training ministry. This is what we do. We don't shy away from individuals in a religious, cult-like, fundamentalist system that berate their people and, and run off regenerated souls. We also don't shy away from people who are insecure and they have grown up within a religious system and truly embrace Christ, but never have been discipled well, and now they have accumulated a, a Christian life, a Christian husband, and a few children along the way, and they're just painting by numbers. And we don't shy away from people who struggle with same-sex attraction. We're a training ministry. And so my call to action is, is if you're interested in going deeper and learning how to provide soul care to hurting and complicated souls— then I recommend that you check out our all-online long-distance training program. We live in a time when it is easier than ever to equip yourself so you can bring practical care to the body of Christ. There's a link here that takes you to our Mastermind page. It is all online. It is self-paced. You can work at your own pace. I supervise this training along with others, and we help you to become how God has shaped you in this area of soul care. And so if you're interested in learning more about that, then I appeal to you to click this link at the, in the very last paragraph of this podcast and read and listen and watch everything on that Mastermind page. And then if you have any questions after that, let me know. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.